Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know, it's, it's, they're not any smarter than us. They're not any better than, you know, yeah, they do better on the stock market for reasons that we could get into. But, uh, you know, anytime I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, it, wait for politicians to be talking about something that you yourself have expertise in and see how wrong they are. And just remember that that translates to literally every fucking thing they talk about. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We've got a very special guest today, Dr. Mike, Dr. Sergeant Mike Simpson. Or would you, did you get out as a sergeant? Or I got out a, as a major. You were a major, that's yeah. right. So you I, was went a, to, I was a promotable SFC when I got when I got commissioned mm. and then I retired as a major. Whatever happened to battlefield commissions and do you think there's a place in the modern <sighs> army for that? You know what? I do think there's a place in the modern army for that. Because I, I think uh, of, I think of, uh, 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 what's his nuts? Audie Murphy. Well, Audie Murphy is one of them. I think yeah. of, uh, God damn it. What is his name? Uh, the guy that the, um, from band of brothers, they got a battlefield commission towards the end. Oh, uh, that, uh, that Wahlberg played him. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, he went from, he went all the way to first Sergeant. Yeah. He went from Buck yeah. Sergeant Lipton. to first Sergeant. His li- yeah, name was Lip- Lipton. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. uh, he was a Lieutenant and yeah. when he got out and turned out to be a pretty good Lieutenant as well, but it's, yeah. you yeah. know, you're, you're, <laughs> you, you started out your career, uh, you know, on the enlisted side and, the the platoon leader in a line unit doesn't know anything. No, right? They're like a baby, basically. No. Yeah, you always felt like, uh, and this was this was true. It, it might be different now because now platoon leaders in Ranger Regiment are captains. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, they were lieutenant. Never, never second lieutenants. Right. You know, you always had to at least be a first lieutenant. But but you always kind of felt that this is for their education, not mm. our leadership. <laughs> but it doesn't really work that way, right? I mean. Technically, you know, just from the, from the, because of their rank, they're given orders and shit. Yeah. Which is interesting because they're given orders kind of to, uh, uh, in the E7 mm-hmm. or helping the E7 delineate those orders maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the E7 has probably been in the military anywhere from, seven to 15 years give or take yeah on average so i mean that's that's kind of it's always been a very bizarre like i i don't i'm not sure i understand why that is the case you know uh terminology wise i always i always kind of felt like the marine corps had the right idea and that they Mm. don't call them platoon leaders they call them platoon commanders Mm. and there's a difference between commanding and leading right? right you can command Stephen Hawking could command a right. battalion from his motorized wheelchair, right? He couldn't lead a battalion, obviously, right? 
And so I, I thought definition wise, I always kind of felt like the Marine Corps kind of had that figured out, at least in terminology. I don't, I don't know jack shit about what life is like in right. a rifle platoon in the Marine Corps. <laughs> maybe it's even worse. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe the, maybe the Lieutenant legitimately micromanages everything, but I can't imagine that a bunch of, that a bunch of grunt shooters in the Marine Corps are taking a lot of lip from a 22, 23 year you old. Wouldn't, it, yeah, guy. it's pretty, really pretty counterintuitive. Yeah. And it's, and it's not, uh, it, it's one of those things that, it, you know, in peacetime, this is something I remember having this conversation in Anox. Somebody actually mm. looked it up, looked it up that during the Civil War, the officer to enlisted ratio, there were 17 enlisted for every one commissioned officer during the Civil War. This, keep in mind, this was a time when the average officer mm. had made it all the way through secondary school right. and like, likely gone to university, right? So we're talking about 16 years of education. Mm. And your average guy standing standing in the firing line had no formal education. Maybe he right. knew his letters, <clears throat> right? and maybe three weeks of training on how to load a musket, right? And stand in formation, right? And right. the and the preference always was, of course, the. I mean, but that was a back then that was a common skill, right? That yeah. was that was, that was a skill you pretty much. We had to hunt, right? Yeah, like everybody had yeah. to hunt, so that part of it was okay. But right. being disciplined and staying in formation. Um, right. Close order drills. Yeah. These were all things that you had to learn. Yeah. But at the time I went to ANOC in 97. Uh, for those that don't know, that was the advanced non-commissioned officers course has a different mm. name now. It's and, uh, ALC now. Yeah. ALC. No, advanced, it's SL, advanced, uh, is it SLC? Senior, senior, senior leaders course. Yeah. yeah right. You have advanced Jesus leaders Christ. course, senior leaders course. Um, <clears throat> at that time in 1997, it was three enlisted for every one officer when the average difference in education was like 1.8 years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember in my 82nd uh, platoon, the first one that I was in, uh, I think there were f four people with some uh, postgraduate work, myself included mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah. Enlisted dudes, not yeah. officers. So it's definitely <clears throat> the gap in education was different. Um, and you, I, I think you saw who, like, you could immediately tell who the good officers were going to be based on, because uh, we, we I, multiple people have said this on this show up to this point, but if you want to be a good leader, you need to learn how to follow first, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so we're going to talk about some of that today. <clears throat> we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, actually, but <laughs> we're definitely going to talk about leadership because it always seems to pop up in these conversations. Yeah. Um, this show, um, uh, we did American Party, Dakota and I, for a while, mm -hmm. and it was good. We talked about a lot of good stuff, uh, had some good guests, and uh, broke some pretty big information. We did, we did a lot of cool stuff, but I felt like we were just kind of like one more voice in the crowd pointing out how terrible everything was. Right. And what benefit are you really <laughs> what, like? What's what are you accomplishing by doing that? I feel like right. it was like the show I thought was good and the intentions were good, but I still felt like it was kind of a net negative yeah. because we were yeah, just kind of piling on. So I wanted to do something. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to take the people who are listening to this stuff, and it's most people now that are people are either tuned out completely or they're on the side of 
I'm going to point out everything that's wrong. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to take those people and give them the motivation and, and intellectual tools to use to make themselves better. Because I think the, the idea of, uh, of for and by the people it's of and for the, those, those are the parts we tend to focus on, but by the people, right? Mm-hmm. That means you have to do your part. Yeah. And if you're not, then all of this is going to fail. Like, I, I think we're getting the product at the government level that we should expect to get based on the effort we put for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's, an, that's an excellent way to, uh, to put it. You know, there was a, I don't, I don't know if this was true and I've tried to find video. I, I remember hearing as a kid that, uh, Lyndon Johnson, when he announced mm. that he was not going to run mm. uh, for re-election, and I've gone back and looked at his speech, and, and the, the phrase that I heard specifically is not in there, so maybe he said it in private. I already made a statement uh, and basically said, you know, I haven't been a very good president, but you haven't been a very good country either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's almost like Nixon saying you're not going to have Richard Nixon to kick around. Anymore, yeah, right? yeah. Although it's he like, was committing crime, so that's a bit yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, hey, you guys have been a, a bunch of fucking assholes, setting shit on fire, mm. fighting amongst yourselves. Like, you know, so don't, you, you know, exactly. You got you got what you asked for. But, you know, we were we, we talked about leadership. Mm. Here, here's something that I've always said, and I don't know what your take on it is. I've always said to people, and I've, I've written blogs and I've done podcast episodes on this, stop referring to politicians as leaders. I, I think of politicians no differently than I think of the county comptroller uh, or the treasurer at the PTA. Right. Okay. They're people that we put in a position to do a very specific job. There's no one in government that I would follow uh, to take the hill or, you know, uh, it's, I, I consider leadership to be a completely separate thing. Um, I think they're, they're bureaucrats, they're managers. Mm. They're basically supposed to be taking care of the shit that we don't want to worry about to keep the lights on. Right. They're our employees, you know, and, and uh, George H.W. Bush, Bush senior mm. famously used to, you know, refer to the American people as his bosses. Right. Yeah. And so many politicians, have forgotten that. And I think, uh, Joe Biden being a classic example, I don't work for you. No motherfucker. You do. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely, you (laughs) definitely do. Yeah. You, you work for every single one of us and you need to get that straight. And, uh, no, we're not going to, you know, and this, so this applies to both parties. We're not going to blindly follow you. We're not going to blindly listen to you. Um, we elected you to do a job. And I think we've gotten, you know, we could get down a whole rabbit hole about term limits and everything else. But if you ever, if uh, I, I'll, I'm sure you've seen it. I have not seen it in its entirety. I'll admit that the, um, the HBO, um, series that they did on, uh, uh, second president, um, you know, John Adams. Yeah. John yeah. Adams. Yep. Yeah. It's a good, that's a good series. And yeah. And, and he finishes his time mm. as president and he's walking behind a mule pushing his plow yeah he said a month he, later what did he say i traded uh uh diplomacy for manure or something yeah. like that not not diplomacy i can't remember the word he phrase he used but yeah it was basically i traded working in washington for going back to my farm which exactly. is what i wanted to do anyways yeah it, and that's uh the the concept that it, we've elevated the president you know we we like to point across the ocean and laugh at the brits for having mm. royalty but we've basically done that 
We've done that with our politicians. We've done that with the elite class. If you're talking about about Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know, we we've elevated this kind of this this royal class that we think deserves to be followed. That we think somehow, you know, we should if they say to get a a, a cold saltwater colonic, that somehow we should fucking listen to that. And uh, you know, it's. It's, they're not any smarter than us. They're not any better than, you know, yeah, they do better on the stock market for reasons that we could get into. But, uh, you know, anytime, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, it, wait for politicians to be talking about something that you yourself have expertise in hmm. and see how wrong they are. And just remember that that translates to literally every fucking thing they talk about. So, you know, if you listen to them, if you... If you know economics inside it out and you listen to politicians, you're like, everything they fucking say is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I agree yeah. with them on everything they're saying about guns. Uh, guess what, Sparky? Yeah. They are just they're yeah. just as wrong on guns as they were on economics, probably more so. Yeah, that's one of the things um <clears throat> that when I whenever I have political conversations these days or when I witness um two people in a or two sides, as it were, in a in a in a, in a disagreement or debate maybe about mm-hmm. p- their individual politics. Like, you know, you guys are a lot closer on this issue than you really believe you are. Yeah. Uh, if you strip away all of the talking points and, and take the name off of the quotes and mm-hmm. then take the, the name off of the bill and just examine what's inside of it. Mm-hmm. Most people tend to agree on most things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's what- all, it's all theater, right? You know what I always thought would be awesome is if just for one election and one election only, you go in and there's no names on the ballot. Yeah. It just says candidate A says this, this, and this. Mm. Candidate B says this, this, and this. And you got to pick between candidate A and candidate B. That's a good idea. <laughs> I, th- I think, and then I think you'd then find out, you know, that we we think we have this 50-50 split in the in the u.s i think then you'd find out we have like an 80 20 split probably of so what people believe it in. seems like most people just want to be left alone but that's therein lies the problem right so you're you I, I agree with you that uh people should stop referring to politicians as leaders politicians are operations managers and janitors mm-hmm. right yeah like they're, they're i don't mean that to be demeaning their, their job is to handle the the minutiae i guess uh, of everything it takes to make sure that roads are okay and that mm-hmm. national defense is okay yeah. and the end, right? Yeah. But, yeah, the end. but they do need to handle that stuff, but it, it, it implies that they are indeed an employee. And Plato said, uh, if you do not take interest in the affairs of your government, then you are doomed to live under the rule of fools. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would add to that, that if you make that mistake, then you cease being a citizen and, and become a subject instead. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're not too far removed from feudalist Europe. And that's how no, it was there, right? Uh, it, the The result of feudalism is not <clears throat> it's not unlike other shitty forms of government where uh, there's a ceiling on your ability to improve yourself and your position, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's kind of like that type of intrinsic aristocracy is something that we kind of made this whole country to not do. You know what I mean? So it, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that's not more obvious to people. I mean, the the whenever things are, whenever things get jacked up, like let's say you were, let's say you were teaching a skill 
to a group of people and then leaving them to their own devices to, to do that skill and produce a product. The first moment that you see that the, the, either the actions are wrong or the product is fucked up. You go back and examine them like, all right, give some instruction. Here's how you do this. Uh, and then maybe you realize this person's not capable of doing that or they need to be retrained or whatever. But at no point do you just add more people unless you're the federal government, right? right. That was the, <clears throat> when, my, when I worked at Homeland Security, that's what my chief told me. It's like, here's what the, here's what the federal government does. Congress says we need to achieve this goal and then some bureaucrat says, well, we need four people to achieve that goal. And they're like, all right, cool. Here's your budget for next year. It includes budget for four people. And they hire four people. And it's usually on a, a two-year cycle because that's how Congress gets elected. And after a full year of federal employment, it's kind of difficult to fire somebody. Sure. You know what I mean? So what you get is typically three pretty good workers and one squeaky wheel. And because there's no way to just fire that one squeaky wheel easily unless they do something malicious, then you have to hire another person, right? So now you have five people doing f the work of four, mm -hmm. and that goes on and on and on forever. That doesn't seem like a very good business model. Right. Probably the most accurate depiction of how the government actually works was that that movie Dave. Uh, is that Matthew McConaughey? No, it's um, uh, Klein. Where he, oh, yeah. he, looks, he looks like the president and then the president uh, has a stroke mm -hmm. and he ends up being the president. Um, and they they talk about all the fucked up shit in the budget and all the, you know, it, and it's it's Kevin. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Klein. It's incredibly, yeah. it, especially when it comes to budgetary stuff. It's like an incredibly accurate. movie. Well, it's like, you know, like you said, <clears throat> these people aren't necessarily experts in economic. Well, I mean, of all the things that someone should be an expert in to run the government. I think in the early days, it was, it seemed pretty obvious that we should have uh, philosophers and attorneys because we were writing laws, but we wanted to take, mm -hmm. you know, ethics into consideration while we're writing that law. That, that makes sense. But I don't think the Congress's job isn't just to pass laws now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's to get good advice and, I think maybe reshape existing policy to fit the new world that we live in. And there's been like how many economists have been elected to any kind of political office ever. Right. I, I'm not familiar with any. Um, so again, there's, there's, there's only so much you can, so much talking about this you can do before you get frustrated. I think people take one or two courses. They either become cynical about the process and uh, become a hater, I guess. Mm -hmm. they, so they go in one of two directions. They either tune out of the process altogether or they dig in, get entrenched on whatever their side is, which is funny because if you, if you found 10 people that all identified as conservative or Republican and then had them explain... 10 bullet points that the current conservative Republican party, whatever believes in, I think you're going to see some divergence. Yeah. Um, so they either take that route and get super entrenched or they tune out completely, but 
nobody seems to have found a, a pathway to stay engaged in the process, but also tune out of the political party nonsense. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm looking for. That's what American party was all about. It wasn't supposed to be like a new political party. It was supposed to be like, Hey, these people can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do now? Yeah. Um, and if that was the question, I think this, the idea of this show is the answer. It's, Mm -hmm. it's what can you do as a citizen to be the best possible citizen you can be right. To be the good roots that our country needs to be a flourishing plant. If, if that were the metaphor you were using Mm -hmm. and then how can you extend that to other people, be a leader in your community and things like that. Um, so I wonder, uh, from your perspective, you've been, you've worked in a lot of different parts of government from the military community to the medical community uh, and police community as well. What do you see that's common between all of those that are like pretty, pretty ubiquitous pitfalls that we're all kind of getting into here? The first thing that that comes to mind is, and, and you already touched on it in you know, that you hire four people and one of them sucks. You can't fire them. So you got to hire a fifth. I think that the, what, what eventually ruins everything whether we're talking about the military. So the, the example that I gave of we went from 17 to one ratio to three to one ratio, right? The military became more top heavy. Um, what we're seeing, what we see in federal government with all these czars and panels mm. and everything else. It's uh, you know, I, I, when I was in seventh group, we were heavily involved in counter drug mm. and somebody quoted this to me and they actually had, they actually had the data that there were at the, at the time there were 25 different government agencies actively involved in counter drug operations 25 it gets worse they were overseen by 117 governing bodies like different commissions yeah different commissions and whatever and you know it's joint things you know not just the guy who runs the dea but the drug task force at the fbi and the regional whatever at the nsa and Mm -hmm. the you know such and such at the cia and then all these government, Congress has one, the Senate has one, states have their own. So I think what it all boils down to is tooth to tail ratio, right? Is, is every organization over time, and you see this in hospitals and people wonder why, are, why does medical care cost what it costs in the U.S.? The only thing that has grown, it's not doctor's salaries, okay? Uh, it's, uh, although there's YouTube videos out there blaming doctor's salaries, um, it's what we pay to fucking admin, Right. You know, the, the admin at a hospital, there's an entire wing of every hospital that's just these doors that's people, you know, there's an entire office dedicated that all they do is worry about um, compliance and billing as it specifically pertains to the Affordable Care Act. Every hospital has that. You've got people that all they work on is Medicaid reimbursement. Um, you got people that all they're working on is joint commission. All they're working, you got an office you know, for, for equality, equity, inclusion, blah, 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 whatever. All you have people that this is their only job. So the, the ratio to doers, to people that are doing the job that that hospital is assigned to do, or that military unit, or that segment of government is designed to, to do, they've become very, very, very small. And then you have all these enablers, right? And I'm using that kind of facetiously because a lot of them are actually disablers backing them up. This is always, you know, if, if you look at 
Um, and I used to know this number and I think it's actually in my book somewhere. Um, the, the, the 300 Spartans at Thermopylae. Mm. Okay. Wow. That's, that sound 300 faced off against whatever it was. That's mm. okay. Pump the brakes a little bit. So yes, it was 300 Spartan warriors. Every single one of those guys had three people in direct support. Right. Right. So that was what was behind yeah, yeah. the the formation. So that's twelve hundred. But then there's right. the Athenians as well, and the Athenians, right? right? Yeah. And the you know. So it turned out there were like more like three thousand, I think, something give, like that. Give or take yeah, so they were and they were still outnumbered. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and the and but, you know taking nothing away. Uh, that's yeah. one of my favorite stories in yeah, history. Yeah. I'm taking nothing away from them, but don't. Mm. You know, in the movie that it was 300 dudes in loincloths and literally <laughs> nothing else. Yeah, and, and 3 million. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's or, not yeah. what it was. No. Okay. There was a whole, they had pack animals, they had cooks, they had people when they were in formation moving from point A to point B, people were carrying their armor, right. everything else. Um, that's to me is kind of, if you, if, if we could go back in time and look what their tooth to tail mm. ratio was. Mm. That was probably ideal. I mean, even right now in like the 82nd Airborne, I think it's, I think it's, it depends on uh, uh, how big you go. Like if, when, when you go from battalion to, or we go from company battalion and then battalion to brigade, the number of admin increases. Yeah. Right. For some reason. Totally. I don't know why. Um, it's like there's the more, the larger the element the more bureaucratic bloat there is, but there's no real explanation for it. It just seems right. like there's more safetyism the farther up the chain you go. You know right. what I mean? But it's still relative. It's like six admin to one shooter, give yeah. or take, right? That's not bad. Uh, I mean, it could be better. It could be better than that, I think, but six to one is not bad. Rumsfeld actually had a, a plan mm. to like to pay, actually pare that down. From six, even. Yeah, his, his thing was is if you're one of these guy if you're not a trigger puller mm. if you're a direct support guy because his thing was we can actually have more offensive brigades mm. uh we or each brigade can have more battalions because we don't need more at the top they're it, it they're not the ones getting worn out by op tempo right, yeah. they can supervise more yeah. so we can put more shooters under them you're talking about the span of control right yeah so it's it's a lot higher the the less I guess the less involved you are in the actual work product, yeah. the the more span of control you're going to have. Exactly. Yeah. And his his plan, uh, and I'd have to go back and look at it. This was, of course, early 2000s. It was uh, a military with less people mm. and mo- and most importantly, not as top heavy. Right. Right. Because that yeah. was there were top down cuts for the most yeah. part, but actually more operational brigades. And everybody was like, oh, that's not possible. He's like, it's 100 percent possible because. Those we already ha- we already have too many officers. Right. So right now, you know, you you walk into battalion headquarters somewhere. There's six majors sitting around waiting for lunch. They got nothing to fucking do. Guess yeah. what? You're a fucking brigade. You know, you're you're going and taking this job over here yeah. now because we're standing up in an, a, yeah. another part of the BCT over here. And I'm I'm probably using fucked up. No, they did it. That the BCT thing they did it to some degree. So we got rid of our uh, uh, we used to have S and T companies. Mm-hmm. And then they got replaced with FSE, which is Ford Support Company, I think. Right. Uh, and we brought. And they had, they ended up having to support more people, right? Yeah, a yeah, lot and more. See, yeah, and that, so that we, was part of the plan. Yeah, we it we added a, a battalion of CAV that had an embedded infantry company mm-hmm. inside of them and some other stuff. But yeah, it was a, it was a much different look than from before. But um, 
Yeah, I guess your point is that bureaucratic bloat kind of ruins everything as it scales. I think yeah. that's true in government as well. Like yeah. not not just in <clears throat> not just in the regulatory part of government, but in government generally. But you see the same thing, like you said, in hospitals. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, uh, it happens in academia, like the at the cost, not the not the average salary, but the cost of relative to inflation, the cost of admin and universities has gone up about 2000% over the last 40 years. Yeah. And, the, and the salary for professors has gone up like 30% or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not even close to the same thing. Yeah. Um, now let me ask you this about the hospital thing. Cause you're talking about the affordable care act. Um, does a single payer system work if you get rid of all that admin nonsense? You know what I mean? Because like, it, it seems to me, just looking at all the math mm -hmm. on paper, it seems to me it would be cheaper to provide universal health care to everybody, mm -hmm. sans all the admin bloat, yeah. than it would be to do what we're doing right now, especially with the Affordable Care Act, which is basically just a handout to insurance companies, right? Yeah, my, my understanding of uh, the National Health Service in the UK mm -hmm. is they actually have more bureaucracy than we currently have now. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's you know, part of it. And that's, Massachusetts seemed to be able to do it pretty well. But yeah, once you got bigger than that, it didn't seem like it scaled yeah, very well. It, the, so uh, Romney Care, Massachusetts, gave us some important predictors of, of what, uh, and, and they were true predictors of mm. what we ended up having under the Affordable Care Act. One of which was, uh, so in, in, in the realm of, so emergency medicine is what, where, what I trained in. Mm. Right? Um, when I trained in emergency medicine, the you, you have what's called ESI categories, mm. right? ESI category. So an ESI one is that's somebody that comes in coding or they come in in extremis, right? They're absolutely an emergency. You know, they've been right. shot in the chest. That's okay. an emergency. Yeah, right? yeah. It goes all the way up to ESI five. I don't think it goes beyond that. But ESI four and fives are not emergencies. Those are people that are using the emergency room as a clinic. Yes. Yeah. Those are med refills. Yep and sniffles and my shoulder's been hurting for a year and a half, but I was bored at work today. So I decided to, you know, I, I was malingering at work today and my boss said I had a choice to either go to the emergency room or be fired. So I decided mm. to go to the emergency room. Uh, ESI fours and fives, not emergencies. Pre affordable care act, the, uh, you go to emergency rooms throughout the country and the, the average rate of ESI four and fives was around 12%. Now, well, so each or total for four and five total, you combine them. Okay. All right. So that means, you know, uh, 88% of the patients in your emergency room are emergencies, 12%, not emergencies, not too bad. Yeah. Right? What we knew from the affordable care act is in, in, in mass that shot mm -hmm. up to 26%. Hmm. Predictively after post ACA exact same thing happened. And it's, and it hovers between like 25 and 28 hmm. percent, but it's always around that number, right? Because now it's I'm not as worried about the bills, right? Yeah, yeah. right. You got to, and and this is going to sound awful, but a lot of people out there that aren't going out and getting their insurance or aren't taking the time to go, they're not real go getters. Yeah, yeah. So even when you say, hey, look, you can, you now basically have insurance courtesy of the United States government, so you can get online and look up a PCP. Well, that's requires forethought and work yeah, yeah. and all this other stuff, which is I didn't have to begin with, which is kind of why I didn't have insurance to begin with. So I'll just wait until something happens 
and I feel like uh, I got an earache or the sniffles or, or pink eye, and I'll go to the emergency room with my ESI 4 or 5 yeah, type yeah. thing. Now, in the military, that number is 50%. So on, an, on a typical day in a military ER, and, and this was true mm. when I worked at Womack, and it was true when I was the, the chief of emergency medicine at Fort Hood, I would check my ESI 4 and 5 number. Every morning I'd come in, I'd get a report. And without fail, it was right at 50% of my Why aren't these guys population. going to their, to their battalion aid station? So they will. They go to the battalion aid station, mm. and they go on sick call. Sick call, it, it's, Ben Shapiro talks about this. I mean, that, sick call is a, a major couple of sergeants. There's mm-hmm. A major, a couple of captains, a couple of sergeants, and some privates. But you should be able to get anything that's non-emergency can for sure get taken care of in that room. But 100%. We've, we've raised people in a society mm. of immediate gratification and you can and amazon will deliver it tomorrow and you can get it you can you can get uh, a three-course italian meal in a drive-through window right sure so you know uh, joe snuffy goes on sick call and gets to and sick call has a triage process right they can only see so many people Mm. they're already Mm. at eight people for the day eight patients for the day Mm. or whatever their number is right and he and they say well what's wrong with you and he's like oh i think i got shin splints all right, day after tomorrow, you're going to come back. Yeah. Now, part of this is a leadership problem because they should write on there, all right, his appointment's in two days. He should go back to a leader, and a, and a, and a leader with some balls should go, all right, hey, you know what? Since you're waiting to get checked out for this, we're going to, we're, I'm going to, me as a leader, mm. and, a, and a team leader and a squad leader has the ability to do this. Sure, yeah. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to basically profile you for the next couple of days. I'm not going to expect you to do that right. ruck march or that PT. Or well, there's, a, but there's other stuff you can do, right? Like you can send somebody to the gym. Like, right. Hey, you're going to, you're going to do... go pool PT. Yeah. You're going to do pool yeah. PT for the next couple of days. And then you're going to get checked out. Mm. Well, that's not what happens. They go back and the, and the squad leader goes, well, I'm afraid to make this decision yeah. because I've been conditioned <clears throat> by this toxic chain of command. So, well, I guess it just sucks to be you. You're going to have to PT for the next two days. It's safetyism, right? Yeah. So what the but fuck? But we would never do that with the gun. Right. Like if your rifle <laughs> was fucked up, at no point would you say, just use it until it blows up. Right. That's stupid. Because <laughs> that's, that's stupid, right? That's a great example. That's a great example. We would never say with a, oh yeah, this lot of MREs has probably been contaminated or is expired, but we're just going to eat it anyway because yeah. it's what we have, right? So this kid ends up coming to the emergency room mm-hmm. at three o'clock in the afternoon for a non-emergency. Now he's got actual stress fractures in his shins. Right. Right. Which you is good. If it, if it progresses. Yeah. Right. So, uh, it, you also, what you also end up with, you end up with people that are frustrated at the clinic mm. and they get walk-ins. A lot of these clinics tried to do like walk-ins and shit like this. And it's like, we had, we had a walk-in at mm. four o'clock in the afternoon. I don't have time to see this guy. Well, mm. if you talk to him, it's obviously not an emergency. Yeah. He can come back tomorrow. I mean, shin splints are definitely not an emergency. Yeah. But it is something that needs to be, if you're, especially if you're a shooter. Definitely needs to be addressed. If you're a guy that's yeah. carrying weight around yeah. and you need to be able to run somewhere, then get in a gunfight, then run mm-hmm. the fuck out of there, you need your shins to work properly. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I had, uh, this is something I ran into. I never saw it at Hood, but I saw it at Bragg quite a bit, is uh, Sunday night, the emergency room would fill up. I'd be like, why are you in here? Mm. My first sergeant says we're not allowed to go on sick call Monday mornings. Really? <laughs> so I ended up having a first sergeant drive to the ER to, to explain that policy to me. And then I discharged his soldier to his care and said, he's going on sick call tomorrow. This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. Welcome back, guys. Uh, dear friends of ours. 
my favorite people on earth, Jared Taylor, Matt Best, Evan Hafer. Uh, we're going back with Black Rifle. Um, love these dudes. And, you know, we haven't had an active coupon code with them for a while, which will make a lot of you happy. So, you know, they get the best coffee in the world. I drink it every single morning. I actually drink, I kind of switch it up. So it's either whole bean and I go with one of the, uh, <clears throat> the uh, ECS, the exclusive coffees. Or uh, Silencer Smooth is my second favorite of everything they have. That's my other go-to. And I've got the RTDs as well, the, uh, the, the canned 300-milligram caffeine. That'll really jumpstart your day if you're getting behind. They also have a 200-milligram version of that. Um, got the best merch in the world. You know these guys, man. It's the best stuff in the world. I recommend joining the coffee club. Um, you know, you get free shipping on all your stuff. You get early access to... Uh, all the new merch and all the new products that come out, uh, you get good deals. They also have a section that have a bunch of codes, uh, discount codes for partners for, from meat companies and outdoor companies and all kinds of stuff over there. So join that coffee club and use the code CITIZEN for 20% off uh, everything on your order. First-time subscriptions only and no-order customers. Uh, so first-time purchases on that for the for the subscriptions, and it's one use uh, per customer, obviously, as as these codes are. Um, <clears throat> we're trying to get people back involved in the digital side of Black Rifles. So, you know, make sure you're photographing yourself with the with the apparel. They got the best apparel in the world, the stickers, all that stuff, the coffee products, making the coffee, and then send them in. Tag us, tag Citizen Podcast, uh, tag uh, Black Rifle Coffee tag drink it bros all that stuff uh so we know you're out there and you know we know you're loving the product this episode is also brought to you by our other dear friends ghost bed we just had uh just recorded an episode with the uh ceo that'll be out pretty soon here um right now ghost bed is offering 40 percent off ghost bed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base for everything else 30 percent off use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinker bros you're going to get Oh man, if if you do the bundle deal and you get the uh, adjustable base and you get the mattress, maybe you add the uh, weighted blanket, maybe sheets, definitely pillows. You can't miss out on those. And the mattress protector. I add all that up together, 40% off, you're going to get a really good deal, but then you can apply the zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months. That's 5 years. You can get that entire suite for somewhere around 35-40 bucks a month. It's a really good deal and the products are extremely good. Uh, if you don't believe me, every mattress has a 20-year warranty. Some even have a 25-year warranty. They also allow you to try it out for 101 nights. If you don't like it, you can send it back. No hard feelings. Every mattress is cooling. They have some new cooling gel technology, which is super dope. <clears throat> so, look, we're not going to be able to say anything else we haven't said already about these guys. It's the best product in the world. Um, go choose from one of their four mattresses. Pick your bundle. Add all that stuff up together. Go check out. Make sure you get the uh, zero down, zero percent financing plan for up to 60 months. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros and get those deals. That kind of seems like first sergeant should go to battalion and be like, hey, I want the S3 air to be down at sick hole tomorrow. And if a guy's – you. You could tell if a guy's bullshitting or not. Yeah. If he's just hung over, tell him to get his ass back to the company right exactly. now. But if he's yeah. like limping around and shit, okay, yeah. cool. You know and, what I mean? It's just a leadership problem, right? Yeah. But 
it's it's a leadership problem that is reactionary to a real problem. Yeah. Because uh, Monday mornings, notoriously, and this isn't just true for military ERs, this is ERs nationwide. Uh, Mondays are the worst day of the week to, of, of, of the week to work. Mm. Because Mondays, everybody sits on shit all weekend mm. because, well... That's my time. Yeah, we had movie tickets. Or yeah. We were going to the lake or yeah. whatever. Now I'm going to go on Monday and I'm going to get this looked out and, and looked at. And it's... I, if I had if I had a dime for every time somebody said to me, you know, you know, what brings you in today on a Monday? Well, last Friday or last Thursday, yeah. if you know, and usually if that's how their story starts, I'm already you're already gone. Yeah. I'm already getting you out of my ER, right? But if I had a dime for every time I heard somebody say that, mm. I wouldn't have to work anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's human nature, right? You don't you don't want to go on your time. You know what's what's the saying is uh, the, the the smart man takes a shit on company time he doesn't yeah, wait yeah. till his break yeah, yeah. right hey you know I, I i get that yeah uh and you know mondays uh, er abuse is worse on mondays than any other day of the week so i understand how a first sergeant you know what the fuck 25 percent of my formation every monday morning is missing because yeah. they're all on sick call i'm going to do something about this all right i i get that top mm. this wasn't the right thing to yeah, do yeah. what you need to do is you need to have your aid station uh properly triaging that shit and yeah. taking care of it. I always tell people this, like <clears throat> if you see the execution of a plan like that, whether it's uh, corporal punishment from the leadership mm -hmm. or whether it's uh, protests or bitching about something, you you do yourself and your community a disservice by ignoring it entirely, right? Mm -hmm. Because there is some truth to what's happening there. There's, yes. some, there's some problem to be fixed. And just because the person attempting to fix it is doing it and uh, even if it's a malicious way, that's still that's just a bad actor trying to take advantage of a situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, for example, uh, the BLM organization stealing money from everybody. Yeah. Th there is still a big problem in these communities. Fatherlessness mostly. Right. Yeah. But lack of economic uh, uh, upward mobility is a big one as well. Those two things specifically that need to be addressed it, just because you don't like the prevailing narrative around it or the most common approach to fixing it doesn't mean that there, there isn't something to be fixed there. So mm -hmm. the good idea if, is to if, tell that if BLM did what people think people that donate to them think that they do, oh, yeah. I'd be a supporter. Yeah. Same. <laughs> yep. Uh, it, it <clears throat> again, it doesn't do anybody <sighs> to get entrenched into your position. And because the efforts being made towards fixing that problem again, even if it's malicious are, wrong malicious whatever it is that doesn't mean that the problem doesn't exist and if you in the same vein of plato if, if you don't take an interest in the affairs of your government you're doomed to live under the rule of fools in the same way if you don't get out there and fix the help fix those problems then bad actors are going to come fix those problems and then for 40 years you know the entire black community 93 percent of it is going to vote for people that you hate Mm -hmm. When you could have just gone and fixed that problem. Now, finally, we're seeing movement on that. Yes. Like the, and it's not even the Republican party. It's just individual conservatives that are like, Hey, fuck this. I'm going to go talk to these people. I'm yep. going to go help them solve their problems. I've been saying this for 15 years. Like, just go, just go help people. Like, if you think you've got the right answer to a question and because of fear or awkwardness or politics or whatever it is, you don't go share that solution with other people. You're an asshole. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you're a coward. And that's what we've been. That's kind of what we've been. I want to go back to this. Um, I want to go back to this healthcare thing because 
preventative health care is very important. I don't know where the phrase a pound of prevention is worth or an ounce, an of, ounce prevention of prevention is, is worth a pound, pound of cure. I don't know where that comes yeah. from originally, but it's older than both of us for sure. That's yeah, a very, I don't know. Very it sounds statement. like a Ben Franklinism. I don't know it if it be, is or yeah, not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does sound like him. Um, but the kind of people who utilize things that you make easier like that typically aren't the ones you're helping by making it easier or free. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you yeah. said, those people who out go out and look for solutions like that are typically self-motivated. They were going to find a way probably anyways. Mm-hmm. So I want to know like from your perspective as a, as a, a leader an operator, like you've had to teach foreign nationals, a bunch of stuff. You've mm-hmm. had to teach kids stuff. You've had to teach people in the medical community stuff. How do you, how do we get these people reinvested in their own well-being and their mm-hmm. communities and so on and so forth so they become the kind of people who do take advantage, you know what I mean, when you provide opportunities like that? Yeah. You, uh, we need to be teaching people to take ownership of their own health care, mm-hmm. and this needs to be happening probably at the middle school level. You know, it, it's funny because I, I was uh, – well, Arnold Schwarzenegger tried in the early '90s, right? Uh, yeah, I was. That's one of the things I was going to yeah. bring up. It was him and Bush Senior, yep. right? Uh, la, uh, I did uh, last night. I interviewed uh, Drew Wingy, a good friend of mm-hmm. mine, who's also a fellow physician. He's going to be on back it's like third time on my podcast. That'll drop tomorrow. Um, and we were talking about when we were kids. You had the presidential physical fitness. Yep thing i don't even know if that's a thing anymore uh well michelle obama kind of revived it as the move pro or yeah. move, something move something yeah. I don't know what it, it was. which was a great yeah. idea you know people people like you know you know hannity used to you know complain about what she did to school lunches and everything like else it's like no this really is an yeah. issue sean like, so you need to shut the fuck yeah. up there's a huge <laughs> childhood obesity problem yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. the whole um oh we need to let kid you know it, it's this is not a my freedoms issue no. in, in letting kids eat shit. Let, okay? Letting kids this is a diabetes, child abuse yeah. issue. Yeah. You know, if you, you know, they talk about, you know, the, the childhood obesity epidemic in America, that if a foreign government was releasing something into, into the American drinking supply that was causing this, we would consider that an act of war. Yeah. Right. Like corn syrup, for example, exactly. Should yes. be an act of war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're doing this yeah. right. And this is, it's not, I, there is no single group that I can point to and say, this is on you. But I do yeah. look at it, you know, being a part of the medical community and I talk about it extensively in the chapter mm. of my book on it, on how the medical community has failed this. And, uh, we basically took the trust that people were, have been putting into us for generations. And we failed to realize that, you know, I, I talked about the, the drive through, we, you know, we live in this drive-through time, right? Yeah. Everybody wants it right mm-hmm. now. They want a quick fix. You know, does somebody want to count their macros and go to the gym every day, mm. or do they want to take a pill? They want to take a pill, right? Right, because it's quick and it's easy. You know, I I talk about I'm I'm trying to lose the weight right now that I put on after surgery. Mm. And I'm weighing myself every Friday. And I've even talked about I've done a couple of of uh, IG lives where I talked about, look, I'm weighing myself every Friday. But really, that's not the right way to do it, right? Because it's you really should be looking at how much of I am I losing over months and years. Yeah. If you're mm-hmm. looking at it week to week, but it's that dopamine hit, right? right. It's I'm winning the video game. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting that immediate gratification, and we, we've gone too far. It, you know, there's so many things that are you can avoid with good behaviors, but we're just saying, yeah, fuck it, do what you want, and we'll come up with a pill to take care of it. 
a pill that ha- is expensive and has side effects and isn't going to work for everybody, mm. you know? Uh, and this is, uh, we could get down a huge rabbit hole on this. Um, but we do that. It's when I talk to guys and, and, uh, right around my age, mm. around two blood pressure <clears throat> medicines. And I'm like, what lifestyle med- modifications did your, did your provider did he try? even recommend anything? Yeah, like stop like, stop eating grains. We didn't for a while or something, right? Like <laughs> right. reduce the inflammation and see how that works. Drink, right, drink more water and reduce inflammation. Drink drink, drink more water. You do a lot of stuff just with those two. Stop things. eating a loaf of French bread. Yeah. Day, you know, shit like that. Like seriously, just those two very simple things will change yeah. your life. Yeah, uh, it's. I, I talked to a retired SF guy recently, and. Uh, He's, he, uh, I'm not going to mention his name cause I don't want to, even though this was in an open forum, mm. it technically might be a HIPAA violation. He, his, uh, a PA noticed, uh, a small aneurysm forming on his aorta mm. and recommended, he said they recommended that I stop smoking cigars. I don't know if I agree with that. And I, when I hear that I I'm, I'm a cigar smoker, mm. right? I'll have, mm. uh, I'm actually, you know, typically I'll have no more than one a week. Mm. Uh, you know, lately I have one a month, but you know, even when I was smoking a lot of cigars Mm. once, once a week. So I, I asked him, I said, uh, well, you know, how many, how much, how much are you smoking? And, um, do you have any other medical problems? Right. And he said, yeah, I'm on two blood pressure meds. And he told me what they are. And I smoke between four and five cigars a day. Oh my God. And I'm like, that's a pack of cigarettes. That is a pack of cigarettes. You're a pack a day smoker. And I'm like, the the time for this conversation wasn't before you got put on your second blood pressure medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was before you got put on your first blood pressure medicine. Right. I said, dude, if you cut that out, you probably won't even need to be on blood pressure medicines. Yeah. And oh, by the way, the high blood pressure is what caused that aneurysm. Yeah. Because your blood, your heart is shooting, you know, literally a high pressure hose mm. impacting into the wall of that aorta. And that's what's causing that weak spot. Mm. Uh, and it was a little bit of a wake up call for him, but the medical community, it's part of its laziness, right? Part of it is not wanting to tell people the hard truth, not wanting to be confrontational, right? Cause, cause people are sitting across from me and they don't want to hear you're 35 pounds overweight. And I watched you walk in here with a Chick-fil-A bag and I can smell cigarette smoke on you. Mm. These are all of your issues, right? Right. It takes longer to have that conversation. He, that patient might write me a bad review now yeah. that I have to answer for. And I was really fortunate when I, uh, this even in the civilian jobs that I've had, that I've never given a flying fuck <laughs> about Yelp reviews or press Ganey scores or anything like that. And I've had these hard conversations. And sometimes they go badly. Sometimes they get pissed off. But m- most of the time, I've been shocked at how often this happens. Why are you the first doctor to tell me this? Yeah. You know, I had a guy got diagnosed with diabetes, was totally blown at not doing anything that he was supposed to do because he's like, well, they gave me metformin. I'm taking the metformin. Yeah. And he's telling me how he eats his, his A1C is, uh, is off the rails. His blood sugar is off the rails, you know, and, and I tell him really uncomfortable shit. Like, you know, the first bad side effect you're going to have from your diabetes is your dick's not going to work anymore. Mm. Wait, what? Nobody ever told me that. Okay, well, that's going to be an issue. Now, do you do you want that, or do you want me to tell you how to fix that? And I'm like, tell me what you're eating today. And I and and it was all fucking all high glycemic index yeah. carbs. Well, you've seen this all of it. this latest research. Ninety three percent of Americans 
are in effectively in bad cardiovascular shape. Yes. Like I don't, I think maybe we need to go back, um, to, to dudes in their mid to late twenties when they start to develop bad eating habits like Mm -hmm. that after they've done athletic shit in their Mm -hmm. early twenties and let them know exactly what an erection is and how it works. You know what I mean? Just (laughs) like the, the basic at the the cellular level. Yeah. Because (laughs) if you do, you'll take a lot better care of your heart and your oxygen levels. Yeah. If you fucking, if you know exactly, I mean, provided you care about that sort of thing. Because does a, does a 20 year old kid care if you, if you say, you know what, son, you keep up the way you are someday you're going to have high blood pressure. Yeah. Well, my grandpa's got high blood pressure. He just takes medicine for it. Uh, you know, your blood sugar is going to be high. Oh yeah. My, my grandma's got that. It's not really that big a deal. Right. We just, we check her blood sugar and she's on medicine because because anything you tell them, they're like, well, there's a medication for that. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, again, we talked about Drew and I talked about this last night because I asked him for his take and what guys between the age of 20 and 30 should be doing is maximum fucking weightlifting strength mm. training, like build as much mass early on. Exactly. As can, yeah. Build as much muscle mass as you can mm. before age 30 because that is protective later on. And I'm yep. not saying you got to get to Arnold size because you don't, you actually, mm. there's a certain point you don't want to be that big. Yeah, yeah. Because what I tell people is, you know, if I got two semi trucks, they're identical semi trucks. Mm. I load a ton of lard in the back of the other one and a ton of feathers. The engine doesn't know mm. what it's carrying. Right. It only knows it weighs a ton. Right. Right. So that's same. you know, it's, uh, there's a certain point when being that big, is a strain on your system. Yeah. So you don't, I'm, I'm not saying you want to be Arnold size, but you do, you want a lot of muscle mass because you're going to atrophy as you're going to get older and right. it's going to get harder to put on. Yeah. And that's all going to be health protective. It's going to stabilize your joints. Mm. Um, it's going to be way better for your testosterone health, which means how your dick works, how your brain works, yeah. your like sleep your, patterns, your brain, everything like sleep and psychologically how mm-hmm. your brain works when you're, yeah. when there's a hormone imbalance, that's, that's not great for your head. So New. I think we need to, what, what you're saying from the leadership point of view is that we need to do something better and, and quicker in people's lives to realign the way they think about effort and results. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, not just the timeline even, but the duration. So yeah. the idea of, of going on a diet instead of having a diet. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it seems maybe a banal distinction between those two, but starving, starving yourself for a while or mm-hmm. taking some pill to, that burns fat, whatever yeah. the fuck or, that means. Or exclusionary diets, which yeah. are the, you know, the fat thing. <clears throat> I'm going to go on carnivore yeah. for a while. Yeah. Or, you know, um, like that, that is an unreasonable expectation. What, what will make you healthier is long-term solutions. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like just doing the right thing most of the time, not even all the time. Like we all drink, we all will have a cigar or something from time to time. We'll all eat a whole pizza mm-hmm. from time to time because we're fucking. I'll eat a whole Firo's pizza on cauliflower crust. You know, <laughs> you know, I, like a pizza hut stuff crust. I don't oh think, no, I don't you think can't I can do knock that, that one off. There's, <laughs> there's like 2,500 milligrams of sodium in that bitch. <laughs> something, uh, yeah. But yeah, like we all do things from time to time, but if you, for the most part, do the right thing in your diet. It doesn't matter, by the way, how much you work out. If you yeah. eat shit, you no. will, your body's gonna. You you may look good, but your body's gonna be a piece of shit. Yeah, Gain, real gains are made in the kitchen. Yeah, it's it's a hundred percent true. It's what you fuel yourself with, mm. and unfortunately, we get in this false sense of security because, um, 
I ate whatever my parents put on the table mm. when I was in high school. Then I got in the army and it was a, a two egg omelet every morning. Yep. Uh, love me some shit on a shingle right? yeah, or some biscuits yeah. and gravy, Chip beef and gravy. Right. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, I would literally, so as a, as a ranger private, you get back from a fucking 12 mile road march, you get cleaned up, you go to the chow hall, two egg omelet, hash browns, French toast, yeah. orange, orange yeah. juice, right? Yeah. So basically sugar, yeah. you know, two, two glasses of sugar. Um, don't get me wrong. I love the taste of orange juice and I love the vitamin C, but yeah. uh, basically juices mm. are basically you're drinking sugar, you know, and this is how I ate for the longest time. You know, and you talked about former athletes who then aren't athletes anymore, yeah. but they're continuing the same eating practices. Mm. And, uh, you have to look, you're in your younger years, you're using a credit card and you don't know you're using a credit card. Yeah. Like you're, you're like, you're lucky mm. you're staying out all night. And still showing up for PT. We we did the drink all night and show up for the oh, yeah. battalion five miler, right? We all did that. My first one was we were it was it, it was, was after required my, in Ranger Battalion. Yeah. Your first battalion five miler, your squad took you out yeah, yeah. to get you drunk because that was like a rite of passage. Yeah. And uh, you know, you're again, you're you're accruing interest on all that shit that you pay later. Which if we start teaching people, hey, guess what? Yeah, you could probably get away with it mm. right now, and you could <clears> probably still run that fast or run that far. Or lift that weight. But if you start looking at, long, you know, I talk about in my book, performance longevity mm. versus, uh, you know, longevity, uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, longevity optimization mm. versus performance optimization. Right. You don't need a lot for performance optimization when you're young, mm. when you're, when you got a lot of telomeres on your, uh, uh, on your DNA, when, when you can recover quickly you as you get older that's not the case so if you start concentrating it on a young age you're going to avoid not only these orthopedic injuries but plaque deposits on mm. your arteries <clears throat> all this other all this little micro damage that you know is why your dick ain't going to work when right. you get older and why you're it's going to be trouble you're going to have trouble concentrating and have headaches and all this other shit so if you start eating right and getting enough sleep which is almost impossible to convince a 20 year old to do right but if you do that, you're going to have, you're going to live longer. You know, you can do shit in your twenties. That's going to mean instead of dying at 70, you might live to 90. Right. Right. You're setting yourself mm -hmm. up for success now. You know, it's, uh, the most important part of planting a garden is when you till up that soil mm -hmm. and you lay down that initial, you know, layer of fertilizer mm -hmm. and everything else, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, you can, you can do it right. And everything gets grown and then you don't even have to mess with it. Or you can be out there in shitty soil every day, running the hose over it and putting tree spikes in next to it. You know, it, it, it's your choice. Yeah. So, and there's know, never a bad time to start, by the way. Like I, people hear never. these conversations and think, well, I'm 40 now. What the fuck am I going to do now? Start. Yeah. Start now. Yeah. Uh, so I want to get into, uh, the principle that you chose to discuss today, which we've already touched on a little bit, but it's I will eject divisiveness in all its forms uh, because those trying to divide us are trying to conquer us. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's always something that comes up in any discussion, I think. Um, and I don't want to pigeonhole you to just medical stuff, but it mm -hmm. seems like the medical part of it, I believe, is just a symptom of the same disease that we have here in America, which is that uh, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's merely profit motive on things, but mm -hmm. we've obfuscated the truth to make money a lot in this country yeah. from the top down. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like we mentioned, uh, 
we cherry, we call it cherry picking, right? Yeah. We cherry pick our, our facts. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> we mentioned corn syrup earlier before corn syrup was used in human food. It was used to fatten pigs for slaughter. Right. That was its only use as a yeah. matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, and then we just added it to our diets and, 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 you know, the people who were producing it got a bunch of doctors to come say, Oh yeah, this is great. <laughs> right. Um, and now I, I, maybe it's always been like this with human beings. I don't know. Maybe it's always been like, because some, some of the discoveries of like Aristotle and Galileo worked out well after they were dead. You know what I mean? But for them personally, it wasn't mm -hmm. a great thing because they got exiled or executed people like that a lot. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is about that? Is that just power and control? And, uh, how do we, how do, how do we fight against that? Yeah. You know, when it, I mean, back then it was pretty hard to educate yourself on these issues. Now it's 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 not as hard. I mean, you have to sift through it more is, bullshit. But it isn't. Yeah. It's, exactly, sifting through the bullshit. Mm. So the problem with the internet is, uh, there's a lot of wrong information mm. on the internet, and the and the um, what was the, uh, did you see the documentary Social Dilemma? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it that is algorithms will drive you into this echo chamber. They'll drive you into this confirmation bias where you just keep seeing more shit that you agree with. It's almost like the sorting hat from Harry Potter. <laughs> it's very I mean? much like the it's sorting like, hat. This right? is, here's the group you belong in. Right. Right. And, and, yeah. to and what you're, purpose? you're sitting there going, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. it, okay. Oh, okay. Then, you know, I was going to put you in Slytherin, but since you don't want to go to Slytherin, I'll, I'll show you this video that totally right. confirms what you already believe. Right. And that, and that's basically what it's doing. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting and it's interesting, you know, you can, you can do these dives and I, and I, I talk about this I've, and I've talked about it multiple times that I will be debating somebody in an online format and they will like, if, if I say, um, and I'm just, uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to make something up so it's not too parallel or anything. Like uh, they, they have a device called a widget, right? Mm. And if I say, well, you know, there have been multiple studies that show that widgets cause cancer. Mm. And they'll open up another window and they'll basically Google the exact widget cures cancer. And then they won't even read what pops up as the number one article. And then they'll, eh, they'll, they'll post it as their rebuttal to me, right? And then I click on it and I read it and I'm like, okay, you clicked on a clickbait headline. And actually, if you read this article, it actually confirms exactly what mm. I posted, which is widgets cause cancer, right? But people don't want that. They don't right. want to be educated. People want to be right. And it kind of feeds it when we're talking about divisiveness, right? It's, it's all about the tribalism too. Yeah. In the, so in the medical field, a great example is, uh, you know, we're, we're finally coming out of the pandemic, mm. right? And there's a divide. Medicine shouldn't be divided, right? We're supposed to be scientists. There but, should be consensus. I mean, what you don't hear right, but, uh, in toothpaste commercials is five out of 10 doctors agree this is the best toothpaste, right? Right, because yeah. then you wouldn't buy that toothpaste, yeah. right? So there's, this, so there's a split in medicine right now. Mm. So if I say to one of my colleagues who leans to the left, mm. well, you know, you have to admit that there's no good data on boosters right. and that there's no good data on giving the vaccine to kids under 12. Mm. You have mm. to admit that. No. Uh, and they yeah. all, they freak out. Right. And you know, I got, I got, I got the, I got two shots. You had to, but 
And what I, I, I probably could have avoided it because I was, I was working really? on locums. I probably could have bullshit mm. my way through it. Um, no, I, I, I legitimately, with the information that I had in front of me mm. from looking at the Moderna trials uh, and knowing that I'm at increased, not at increased risk because of my age, although technically I am, mm. but because I interact with patients, right. I was yeah, yeah. increased risk of exposure. Um, I made the educated choice to get the vaccine, as did my wife and as did both mm. of my sons, right? Uh, and I'm glad I did. I contracted uh, uh, um, COVID when I was in Ukraine. Uh, I got over it. You know, I had a, a real shitty two days. Mm. Other than that, mm. it, it was fine, right? Uh, same colleagues on the left, I say, well, you know, you have to admit, you know, the mask data, it's just not there because right. they're not wearing the right kind. You know, unless we put a gun to everybody's head and made them properly fit an N95, these cloth masks aren't going to work. The right. paper masks aren't, disposable masks aren't, none of these masks are going to work. The difference, the Sweden versus Germany data kind of proved that. Mm. No, no, mask, 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 double mask, triple mask, all this shit. I go to one of my colleagues on the right. And I'm like, well, I had a lot of hopes for hydro hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, mm. but the studies are show that there's n there's no, no, no. We, we, it's like, I, I, I call them where I live on Sanity Island. I'm here in the middle and it's like, I'm looking at the objective data, mm. like the mass data, you know, the, the data shows that, that Sweden didn't do any worse than Germany and nobody masked. Right. And that, uh, oh, uh, the hydro, the Henry Ford study on hydroxychloroquine is absolute shit. Mm. And, and the, and the study out of Brazil, there's two, the reputable study out of Brazil shows it doesn't work. Mm. Same with, you know, this, the, the, oh, the, here's an ivermectin study. Oh, they had no control group. And people were going off and getting secondary medications, right, yeah, yeah. and they're claiming those as, as wins, right? Um, again, I, you know, I'm I'm here on Sanity Island, going, both of you fuckers just need to shut up, yeah. and stop being partisan, so we can start putting out the proper information. Because guess what? I don't blame anybody who's not in the medical field from saying I'm never going to trust the medical field again. Yeah, this after what a... fucking went on for the last few years, I don't fucking blame you, uh, you know, because. We looked like squabbling fucking children. Right. And you had, and you and I have talked about this. Mm. We've had, we had, if you look at the titular heads at both ends of the political spectrum with, with MD or PhD mm. after their name, they're fucking narcissists. They are the flip side of the same fucking coin. Yeah. And they want to be the expert. They want to go on shows. They want their face out there. They want book deals. They want all this other shit. Um, and it, it's, it's all self-serving crap. And, mm. uh, the biggest thing too is you, you got to be able to admit when you're wrong about something. Sure, yeah. Well, and I think that's that's, that's so we're we're talking about um, divisiveness and how the average person can handle that. That's a pretty good indicator. If somebody appears to be obsessed with being right instead of getting to the right answer, mm -hmm. then that's a red flag. And I, I think you should pretty much discard anything that person tells you. Yeah. You know, they may have something useful to add to the conversation but let them do that in their community and you as a public ignore them because <clears throat> when you're doing a, a preprint or, or a study like that, the audience isn't the general public. The audience is your peers Correct. because they're experts in that field and they're going to say, okay, this makes sense. This doesn't, uh, this is a good solution. This isn't, but, I think we've done irreparable damage to the medical community, not just its reputation, but in this preprint nonsense mm -hmm. where before any kind of peer review, mm -hmm. these studies are just being thrown up on the internet mm -hmm. now, right? Yeah. That, 
whenever uh, a, a physician or a research uh, physician refers to a preprint, I'm like, okay, cool, man. That's nothing. You're, yeah. you're, you're talking about string theory right yeah. now. Like exactly. it's, it's interesting, <laughs> yeah. but there's no test for it. Exactly. So you've done, you've done nothing yet yeah. in my opinion. And it, it comes the, back to teaching people how to uh, absorb and process information, use the Socratic method, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's a shame that we're having to reteach people a bunch of shit we figured out 2000 years ago, isn't right. it? Right. Uh, but that's the thing. It's the, and that's why I want to do this show because it's empowering people at the lowest possible level to make good decisions. Because there is a critical mass of good decisions made mm-hmm. that prevent bad leadership from showing up in the first place. Yeah. Right. It, you know, and that's, uh, I've had people with no scientific background. The, the, the you know, I, and I brought up the Henry Ford study. Mm. People kept throwing the Henry Ford study in my face, and it's like. I, I felt like I, I need to just type a word document so I can cut and paste the same rebuttal every fucking time on why this is a shit study, mm. why there's huge confounding variables, right. and and this is not worth. Like it's got to be double blind. It's got to be. Yeah. Contro- well, the, the problem group. with the Henry Ford study, for those that don't know, is uh, basically everybody that got better got steroids. What, what kind, like what kind of steroids? Um, I don't I don't know which. It says in the study mm. what they were giving, but uh, well, prednisone or something like that, like one yeah. of the main ones. Yeah, they were in the end, and people go, "Well, that couldn't have helped because there's there's studies that show that steroids were actually killing COVID patients." Like, no, that's not what that study showed. That study showed that when patients were sick enough to get yeah. steroids, and they got steroids, it, it's kind of like saying, um, "Well." If the fire department shows up to your house, your mm. house has a 25% greater chance of burning down. Right. That's because they showed up when the house was fucking it's sampling on fire. On, it's sampling on a dependent variable. Exactly. Is, yeah. Exactly. And uh, the, the Henry Ford study was flawed. It mm. didn't show any benefit to hydroxychloroquine. Um, it, it should have opened the door for, okay, we fucked up mm. because everybody in the hydroxychloroquine, or not everybody, huge number of people in the hydroxychloroquine group. Because what happened was these were sick patients. And they, and they started saying, let's throw the fucking kitchen sink at it. Right. <clears throat> and hydroxychloroquine was part of the kitchen sink. Mm. Um, but nobody in the control group was getting steroids. So it's like, oh, the hydroxychloroquine group are better. Well, maybe it was the steroids. That right. Was, you know, we don't know. You so need to do a whole other study. So steroids is a, as a, a therapeutic yeah, would so have been it, really would have been really helpful. That, we we used to have a saying that nobody should die without getting a stress a stress what we call it a stress dose of steroids. Mm. Um, there's this the the winds of medicine blow back and forth every few years mm. about are we hurting people with steroids? Are we really helping people with steroids? Right. But it, it ends up that we always kind of come back to giving it. Yeah, because the the number needed to harm is so incredibly huge uh, that we know we're not you know it's. It's like saying a prayer over somebody. You're right. not you're not going to hurt them by doing it. So you so you might as well do it. Um, but you know, people get in these echo chambers, and they just want to keep throwing the same shit because it's you know it's mm. tribalism. It's like this is this is the standard my tribe is marshalling behind. So I'm going to keep throwing this out there because I've heard other members of my tribe do it. And what amazed me is it's like when people would argue with me about it, I'm like, don't you want to hear? why you know the reasons why mm. i don't think it's correct yeah or you know is this all binary to you is this like a vote you know and and, that, and i would get that too it's like well for every doctor that says it doesn't work i can go find one that does and it's like well maybe but 
you know, that is that why not? I like talking to people that I disagree with. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, uh, there's a, a guy that I regularly um, text with now who we emergency medicine physician. Mm. The reason we came to know each other is arguing against each other mm -hmm. in an emergency medicine forum, which right? is an, that's an important thing to do, by the way. Yeah. Right? It's not like pe people here. You say like, oh, doctors are arguing about this. Like, no, that's the scientific process. They yeah. have to go back and forth. Yeah. But I mean, we were arguing about basic political things like mm. he's a, he's a he's very he's he's anti-gun. Mm. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. That's what got us arguing initially, right? But I'll reach out to him and I'll go, hey, man, it's, and he's, he's, he's done a pediatric fellowship, so he specializes in pediatrics. Mm. And I'm like, hey, man, what do you think of these puberty blockers? You know, what, what's, what, what am I missing here? Yeah. You know, for people that are advocates of it. Mm. What, and he was able to, you know, send me a couple of papers. Hey, you know, this is, this is the thought process that all the, you know, if, as long as you're starting it here and only given this, this is reversible, at this point and the, you know, the data out of this country and the data out of mm. this country. So that's what, and, and like you say that we, he and I share a lot more in common on this issue. Mm. Like he's like, I don't believe in, I absolutely don't believe in surgery below the age of 18 yeah. because there's no data for that. Mm. In fact, there's data that, well, the data is that it gets reversed more. Yeah. Often, the data like is that it gets reversed. Of the time, yeah. And now that we're having these, uh, what they, what they call sudden onset gender dysphoria, which is, almost like a, it's basically a form of conversion disorder, right? Yeah. It's like, if we were to say the moment that you say I'm trans, we're start lopping shit off, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to have a problem. Yep. Um, but it, I think it's important, you know, ask people not only, you know, why do you disagree with me? Mm -hmm. What, what are you, what data are you looking at? You know, and, and maybe you can debunk that data. Maybe mm -hmm. it causes you to, to revisit, uh, what, what you're thinking about. Um, well, it's like showing your work in a math class, right? Right. Yeah. Like, I make no, that. I, 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 I use that metaphor a lot. It's yeah. not people. When I was a kid, I was like, man, this motherfucker. Like, they're just, I felt like they were just trying to give me superfluous work to keep me busy because I was such right. a distraction for everybody else. But it turns out that's the only way you can tell where you went wrong yeah. is if you write it all out. Like, if yeah. you're so here's something people don't know uh, the nest teams, right? That, that, respond to nuclear emergencies mm -hmm. or even even like an advanced level bomb bomb disposal person when they're you you have uh provided it's the it's safe to do so you have electronic communications and you're saying out loud every single thing you do for the next guy that has to disarm the same kind of bomb even if it yeah. blows up they know why oh, it blew this, up this is where we heard the explosion yeah like seriously <laughs> yeah. that i mean it's yeah. that's that's a very extreme example but going through all those processes and peterson jordan peterson always says uh, one of the things he does in his counseling is if a married couple are in, if they're just butting heads on the same issue over and over, he will make each one of them explain to the other person, the other person's viewpoint to the other person's satisfaction before they move on. Right. And it's, there's a name for this principle. I can't remember what it is, but <clears throat> essentially it is if you can't, steel man the other person's argument then you don't understand yours or theirs yeah. right because you don't understand why they're wrong you don't really if you just say uh if you just make the statement shall not infringe for example when it comes mm -hmm. to gun debates then you don't really understand the debate you know what totally. I mean? totally so the the idea like here this is a good thought experiment it's something that Ken, tim kennedy got in trouble for for some reason because people are fucking stupid frankly but I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, it's the thing. And these fucking NPCs still, every yeah. time Tim posts anything, yeah, it's like, they fucking dogpile on it. It's so, it's, so, it's so stupid. But it's like, let's say we have 
an accurate measure of what all the red flags are that might make somebody an active shooter? What mm -hmm. do you, what, what are, what is society's responsibility to do with that information? Yeah. So you go through the paces of that conversation. And what I arrive at is that giving the government any sort of power over people like that is mm -hmm. completely off the table. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have to go through the paces of that argument to explain to somebody who might be uh, in the middle on that issue or undecided exactly why it's untenable to give the government authority to do certain things. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's why the second amendment exists in the first place, but just saying shall not infringe mm -hmm. over and over and over again at the top of your lungs, you sound like one of those people at the protests that are just screaming in people's faces. Like, well, tell me why you don't like Trump. Right. Right. Like, Oh, cool. Exactly. You, you definitely convinced me. They're with your doing argument. exactly what they accuse yeah. others of doing. So is your, yeah. is your, is your point here to, to find the right answer and share it with other people so we can make the best possible community that we can, or is your point to be right? Because if it's the latter, I'm not really interested in talking to you about it. You know what I mean? You know, it's funny that you say that because uh, that's, uh, I, uh, I, I'm currently married to the Denise Simpson, the greatest woman on earth. Um, I had some battle scars, some relationship mm -hmm. scars to get there, right? And uh, I had a, a pretty bad marriage mm -hmm. previously, which is, you know, where my, my sons came from. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember talking to, uh, a marriage counselor and, uh, not in the, in the setting of being counseled, but in the setting of, you know, what, you know, what type of things, you know, what can I do on my own mm -hmm. type thing? And he said, you know, part of the problem is, is a lot of people don't want to be happy. They want to be right. Yeah. They'd rather be right than happy. Mm -hmm. It's like they, they get, they get the dopamine hit <laughs> they get from winning you know, and I, and we, and we see that on the macro scale, it's like, I want Trump to come back and run again. Cause I want to, I want to own the libs. Yeah. It's like, well, is that, is that really what's best? You know, is he the best candidate? Is that what's really best for the country? You know, that, that, you know, that's open to debate and open it's, to it discussion. is possible, but yeah, yeah you should at least like, be willing to have a conversation, but, but wanting yeah. it just to own the libs. Yeah is not, it's like, I need you to verbalize, you know, if you say, well, look, he's the only one that has this economic policy in this form, what he did with the right. Abraham Accords. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a logical argument mm -hmm. for why you want him back in office, but to own the libs is not a logical argument. No. And right? then the, in the medical side, the left wanted the vaccine and everyone for you can, you mm -hmm. can, uh, uh, wonder, to yeah, yourself. my body, my choice kind of went out the window. Yeah. That, right. You can wonder about their motivations, whether it was, uh, you know, the stock prices of the three major medical companies that were involved in that, mm -hmm. by the way, of the top 10 companies that members of Congress, both houses are invested in, uh, Johnson and Johnson, Moderna and Pfizer are all in the right. top 10, just yeah. to be clear. So it's Facebook and Google, by the way. Now, but also if you look at, I, I want to say those companies are also massively represented in every 401k yeah, that's true, yeah. of the general general yep. populace. Yep. But 401k, you're not picking. Right? Correct. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Co Congress is picking. Yes. Right. They're yeah, picking yeah, winners. Yeah. So the left, <laughs> the left for what, but that's speculation. Yeah. Even, even though there's evidence to support it, there's still speculation, but let's just say the left wanted the vaccine and every person. So they denigrated therapeutics. The right didn't want the vaccine. So they championed therapeutics, even when they weren't yeah. necessarily effective. Yes. Now we have, it's one thing if, there are information silos or confirmation bias on one side or the other, but mm -hmm. when it's both sides at the same time, now you've obfuscated all of reality. Yeah. And there's, there's only one solution for that. And that's for people to demand actual information, right. And to have this, the skill, like you're not going to be able to look at a, 
you're not gonna the average person is not gonna be able to look at a clinical trial yeah and determine like look at cross tabs and all this other stuff and see what exactly is going on inside of that clinical trial right. but the one thing they can do is the same and this will be effective for all of these things whether it's education or the economy or foreign policy is to get involved in your government first in the lowest form of government which is your own family right and teach and then expect people use a Socratic method in the right way of coming to conclusions in a way that benefits not just you yourself and your own ego, but everybody around you. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. that's, that's what a fucking man does, frankly, is build a fence around their shit and protect it. Yeah. Not, not, not fucking sit around and talk about how cool they are <laughs> or say they're right when they don't know if they're right or not. That's not what, that's not what good people do. And if enough people do that, then shitty leaders and weak people won't exist in that in, in these jobs. Yeah. Like it just doesn't work that way. Like how many <clears throat> how many weak and effectual founding fathers do we have? I would say uh ego wise, John Adams was his ego got out of control yeah, and then uh 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 Alexander Hamilton was a giant piece of shit. Like yeah. he tried to start fights between General Washington and the fucking uh uh Congress and his troops. Like he mm -hmm. tried it was like Anyways, I'm not getting into that. I hate Alexander Hamilton, but uh, yeah, he's kind of he was kind of the Mean Girls of yeah. of the founding fathers. He he literally tried to, like, he went to Washington and said, "Hey, your people are really, really uh, uh, your soldiers are really unhappy that haven't been paid yet. Uh, there's a good chance they're going to go like march on Congress." Mm -hmm. And then he wrote a uh, he he was talking to the. Uh, uh, generals in charge of the troops and be like, Hey, you know what? You should maybe tell Congress you're thinking about marching on them. Like he was mm -hmm. playing both sides. Yeah. This is a guy that people actually respect still for some reason. Yeah. Anyways. Well, it's because of a stupid fucking musical. That's <laughs> so yeah. loosely based on fucking yeah, history. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, this idea that, uh, we're on opposite sides, I think has got to change. Yeah. And that's why I like the reject divisiveness things. Cause it's not that you shouldn't be divided from people who are unethical or immoral. That yeah. We should all be against those people, Yeah, but we shouldn't, that that's kind of the point when you decide, but it, we're always going to be tribalistic to some degree, mm -hmm. but now as a conscious human being in 2022 with a lot of information in front of you and a lot of human experience to draw from, you can decide who your tribe is. Right. You know what I mean? And people do that on a regular basis now. There's a lot of people who don't really interact with their actual genetic family much, but they have a, a large family of people that they consider to be family. Mm -hmm. That's a thing that you can do, and you can do that in politics as well, politics and daily life, by saying, I don't care what you look like or who you call God or who you love or whether you're on this side or that group or whatever, as long as you're kind of in tune with these basic human principles, then you and I are good. We'll figure out the rest. Mm -hmm. We're not going to argue with each other for their amusement Yeah, to, to be distracted so they can steal all of our shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, uh, it's the, all of society is, is in a curve, right? And most of us are, are here in the middle, right? Yeah. You know, you know, sanity Island, as I like to call it, you know, being right here in the middle, what we should be doing is circling the wagons, getting back to mm. back and fighting these dipshits on the fringes yeah. together. But we're not, we're facing in mm. and arguing mm. with each other. Right. And we're in, you know, you're, you're two degrees of, of difference of opinion 
off of somebody, you know, you're slightly right of center, they're slightly left mm-hmm. of center. 98% of the shit you agree on, but you're doing this because when you look, when you look at them, you see uh, all the commie bastards behind them on the fringe. And when they look at you, they see all the fascist fuckers yeah. on the fringe this way. Right. Yeah. Um, when again, we should be back to back swords drawn fighting yeah. the dipshits on the fringe. Well, we let and we're those, not doing that. We let those fringe elements be the gatekeepers. Right. So because they're, they, the, they're the loudest voice. Yeah. So know? when they show up to the gate, that's all that anybody can see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's it's what I, I'd say this in this show. It's actually uh, in the injured intro paragraph to the book I'm writing right now. It is, it is true to say that governments have failed us. It's true to say that in, institutions have failed us, but only because we've allowed that to happen. Yeah. Like this is our failure, yeah. and, which is, you know, it sounds negative, but in reality, it's very, very positive because the, we can, we're the ones that can solve it. We created this problem. We can solve it if we have the will and temerity to do so. Right. Yeah. But that's going to, it's going to require that. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Is there anything else you want to share with people before we get out of here? Other than the book? Honed? No, man. Yeah. So yeah, that's my book honed finding your edge as a man over 40. So it's still doing really well. So yeah, good. Yeah, I get a, got a lot, I get a lot of uh, emails and the, you know, the, the reviews on Amazon have been really positive that, it's helping uh, helping dudes over forty continue to be a fucking savage mm. and get the most out mm. of life. So uh, now, you know, the big thing I would say is uh, try to avoid the divisiveness, man. Mm. Look for the commonality. Have com- have conversations with people that don't have civil conversations with people that don't agree with you, and uh, because every all the bad shit that we've seen happen over the last decade most of which has to do with dehumanizing people mm. that don't agree with your worldview. And because once you dehumanize someone, then you are justified in doing anything. You know what? If you legitimately think someone is Hitler, then you're justified in, in by any means necessary taking mm. care of them. But the fact of the matter is they're not fucking Hitler, mm. right? Is, is nobody is Hitler and nobody is Mao except for Hitler and Mao and they're both dead. So, you know, start humanizing people and, and, show that you're a human to them you know that's Mm. how again me and this guy tooth and nail fucking arguing online and then what what brought us together as you know as associates and and friends is uh i knew he had an interest in doing austere medicine Mm. in locations and when i was standing up a team for ukraine he was one of the first people that i reached out to knowing full well that he and i disagree on so many fucking issues but hey this is a here, you know, common ground. Yeah. Right. Well, it turns out that helping people that need help is more important than your petty squabbles. Fucking A it is. And, and we need to start recognizing this as, you know, if, if a meteor was coming for earth or aliens were invading, you know, if, you know, we talk about this all the time. If, uh, if we could once have been, again, be the country that we were on September 12th, mm-hmm. 2001, <laughs> you know, when, when we all put aside all of our bullshit mm. and, uh, man, we're so fucking divided now. Mm. And, you know, owning the other side only makes us more fucking divided. Yep. So, you know, try try to have good conversations. Again, that's, I briefly got back on Twitter and I'm like, fuck, this is accessible. Because I found myself walking around trying to think of shit that I could post that would be like a fuck you. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I'm like, I'm spending a good chunk of my day walking around thinking really negative thoughts. Yeah. And uh, I, I that's not who I want to be. Well, it's like uh, I tell people this: if you don't want to eat, 
junk food, don't buy it. Pretty yeah. easy. Like if you're if you're waking up at midnight to eat junk food and it's there, you're gonna eat it. Mm-hmm. And if totally. it's not, if you didn't, like it's uh, the same aphorism: uh, sweat and training prevents blood in in combat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the same thing. A little bit of preparation uh, is is super helpful. I appreciate you coming today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yes, really sir. Appreciate it. Been a very good uh, conversation. Appreciate you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.